Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You have keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You got fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. It feels like I just recorded this show, to be honest with you. Got home in the wee hours of Monday morning after a successful road trip to South Carolina and uh, recorded this show. And I'll be honest with you, I have not been able to get my sleep schedule back just yet. So maybe tonight I'll get a... Uh, a regular night's sleep, but maybe I won't feel the need to take a nap on Wednesday. How about that? I'm getting old, I guess, having these afternoon naps. You know, I went to bed around 5 on Monday and woke up around 9, had to take the dogs out, all that good stuff, took a nap on Monday and laid around here Tuesday, and after I ate, I was uh, ready to take another nap. Not that you guys are uh, that interested in that sort of thing, but... Uh, that's what's going on. So I will uh, get this show recorded. And then for those of you that listen to the recovery podcast, I am Steve R. I do plan to record the next episode uh, on Wednesday. And we'll talk about step five, step five of the 12 steps. Getting a lot of good feedback about that show. I'm really glad that I'm doing that. It's one of those things I, used, I, I still get a lot of people that message me from time to time, at least once, twice a week. A lot of people have questions about recovery you know, either their their child is an addict or they're an addict or their spouse or loved one or their child someone is an addict and they don't know where to turn and so I started doing that show and just kind of do it you know, kind of periodically when I have time and now that I've got the new book written 
I've got a little more time to do it. So I'm trying to be a little more regular with the show, get you guys an episode every couple of weeks or so. But um, with Mississippi State's baseball schedule, sometimes it's difficult to do that. And uh, speaking of that, we did, we did cancel the game on Tuesday. That game will not be made up. Probably a good thing. As I shared on Gene's page, sometimes Mother Nature and the baseball gods are on the same page. And we really gained nothing from playing that game other than the fact of getting some live reps for some of the younger guys. But, um, you know, UT Martin has an RPI of 220. And we, you know, we really gained nothing even if we win that game. It probably hurts our RPI. We're currently second in the RPI, according to the NCAA, Arkansas being number one. What's interesting, too, is a lot of people have Mississippi State projected to do certain things. I think D1 Baseball has us as a force, has the number four seed overall in the tournament. We're going to spend some time today kind of breaking down the D1 Baseball projections. I'll share my thoughts about that and also, too, kind of give you some information on what I think some of the teams in the SEC need to do to make the tournament. I think there are a lot of teams, too, that uh, maybe feel good about their standing today. They won't feel so good this time next week because this is kind of separation uh, weekend. It's a lot of head-to-head stuff. Mississippi State obviously has already played the heart of our schedule. And so we have a chance to play, play against some teams that, uh, you know, maybe aren't quite as challenging. That Alabama series will be a bit of a challenge. Alabama's still got a lot to play for, so they're not going to lay down for us. Missouri, I think, is just happy to get this thing over with. If memory serves me correct, they've lost nine games in a row in 15 of the last 16. Missouri's not a good baseball team. We need to take full advantage of that. We got a chance to put some ground on, pick up some ground on everybody in the league this weekend. Also want to share with you, too, many of you have asked, and, and I'm so grateful for that, about Blooms of Oleander. It's my new book. It is different from anything else that I have done. I shared with you guys on the Monday show, you can order that through your favorite bookstore. So you can call up today and say, hey, listen, here's the deal. I want to get this book, Blooms of Oleander, by Steve Robertson. It is distributed by Ingram. And so they'll know what to do. Now, here's the deal, too. If you don't have a favorite bookstore, or maybe you don't have time to deal with all that kind of stuff, you can go pre-order the book today. You can go right now, go to Amazon.com, you can go to BarnesandNoble.com, you can go to BooksAmillion.com, and you can pre-order the book. It'll be released on June 7th. Now, those books aren't going to be signed, and so I have come up with a solution for that. I'm not going to tour as much with this book as I did the last three. I did about 50 dates uh, for each of those books. I'll probably do maybe a dozen dates. And then, of course, they'll be available for you in the fall when I'm out touring again. But, uh, but here's the deal. If you want a signed or pers- and or personalized copy of Blooms of Oleander, let me tell you what to do. Call Bookmart and Cafe in Starkville. That is our local bookstore downtown. Miss Carolyn Abadie is an absolute princess of a woman. And it's been so incredibly great to me. And so if you call her... You can pre-order the book. I've already spoken to her. All the arrangements have been made. And say, listen, I want to order a personalized copy. And so you give her your debit card and your signing instructions. If you want me to sign it to somebody or there's a message you want or anything like that, if it's a gift, whatever you'd like, I can handle that through her. And then she will collect all of that information. And then when the books are released in June, I will sign them and she will ship them to you. How about that? So you can get that done because there's not going to be a website that goes directly to, uh, to me or to the publisher. You know, if you want personalized copies of 
flimflam Stark villains or alpha dogs, you go to alphadogsthebook.com and take care of those. But if you want Blooms of Oleander, which is the brand new book that is yet to be released, call Book Martin Cafe. Call them and you can handle everything right over the phone. You just go on Facebook or go on Google and look for Book Martin Cafe in Starkville and you call up there and they'll, uh, they'll take your information. Very, very easy process. I just wanted to make sure you guys had an option to do that. As soon as I put out that it was available for pre-orders, people said, hey, well, how do I get them signed? Well, again, I'm not going to tour quite as much, so the best way to do it is to contact Carolyn. Now, also, Lemuria Books is going to carry the the book as well, and so you can contact them. But the issue with that is is I'm not going to get down to Jackson very often. And so when I do have a signing down there, you can call down there a day or two ahead of time and say, hey, I want Steve to do that. I want to support Lemuria Books. But if you want to get one initially, they'll ship anywhere domestically you want. You call Book Martin Cafe. I actually got about, oh, 20 paperback versions of the book today. It is going to be available in paperback and hardback with a dust cover, and it's going to be available as an ebook. A lot of different options for you. So I encourage you to do that too because I believe in buying, eating, supporting local business. Big proponent of that. Now, of course, I want to get this, the biggest distribution I can get for the book, but I really have a place in my heart for these independent bookstores around our great state. They are the lifeblood of Mississippi's literary community. I have done so many book signings and made so many great friends. I want to do what we can to support them and and uh, it's just easier for me to do that right here in Starkville. So, you know, if you call Carolyn, and anybody up there can take your information, it's just easier for me to get down there. I'm headed to town pretty much every day, and so I can go by there and, and sign those books, and we'll get them all taken care of for you. So, again, it's Book Martin Cafe in Starkville. Very, very proud of the book, Blooms of Oleander. And uh, I'm the kind of person, too, I'm so hypercritical of myself. I've actually went back and read it again today. A couple things I missed in the edit. And you know what? That's just going to be the beauty of the first edition, right? I mean, there's a couple of punctuation things I missed and left out a letter, one, t- you know, that sort of stuff. I mean, it's it, it's perfectly imperfect, and but it irritates me every time. Any time the books get printed and I get them, I read them immediately. And every time I find something, I wish I would have done a little bit different. And by the time that the official release date gets here, I'll I'll be over that. But uh, it's never good enough. You know, it's just one of those things. No matter how many, how much you work on it, how much time you put on it. You always think to yourself, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have caught that. But it is what it is. So Blooms of Oleander, release date June 7th, and again available online right now. You can go order today at Amazon, Books A Million, and BarnesandNoble.com. But again, personalized copies need to be ordered through Bookmart and Cafe. Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsor of the show, and uh, very grateful for them too. Great food, great prices, great people, great atmosphere, great locations. Currently, two locations to serve your culinary desire right here on University Drive in Start Vegas and on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Getting a lot of reviews now about the Fuller Bologna Burger. People say, you know what, Steve, I just wanted to try it, man. It just seems a little bit, uh, I don't know, it just seems like it's loaded, and it is. And you guys are loving it. I'm still on that Grilled Chicken Club kick. I think I've had that now the last four times that I've gotten food from there. Great, great, great option for you. I, I love the way they handle the bread on that thing. I mean, it's just there. A lot of times you go get a sandwich and it's a little bit drier, perhaps it's a little bit overcooked, or 
you know, just don't always work out well, but it does for that grilled chicken club. Always have the spring rolls when you go because it'll make you and everybody around you better looking. That's a guarantee. That's an absolute guarantee. New location coming to Ridgeland, Madison area in the old Mugshots location. It's a place that you're familiar with going to get hamburgers. You're going to be real happy with the, uh, the new options there. I'm looking forward to getting down there and seeing it too. These people know what they're doing. They know how to feed folks. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's look around the league. There was college baseball played on Tuesday, even though Mississippi State elected not to play. As you guys are aware, Mississippi State, UT Martin, canceled. Ole Miss and Arkansas Little Rock has been postponed until tomorrow. I think they play at 4. It'll be 4 on Wednesday. That'll be awfully interesting. You know, Ole Miss, of course, gets the uh, the news that everybody kind of feared. And, and here's the deal, too. I mean, guys, listen. You know, I, I don't want Ole Miss to do good either. I also don't want to see any of their players get hurt. And uh, Gunnar Hoglund's been a great player for them. He's been their ace and uh, pitched a great game against us. We did beat him. Nikhazy's the one that got us. And I think that uh, a lot of pressure kind of falls to Doug Nikhazy now. But, you know, he's missed some time this year, too. One of the things, too, though, is it's it's even bigger than the Ole Miss thing. Because you look at what happened. JT Gann turned down a lot of money, came to Mississippi State. Had some issues when he got here. And then eventually had to have Tommy John surgery. At least JT got to pitch in Omaha and deserved to get a win against uh, Louisville in Omaha. We just couldn't hold the lead there late. Yeah, but Gunnar Hogwins, the guy that turned down a lot of first-round money as well. And uh, the, if the rumors are correct, he actually had some issues for you know when he, when he got here. And uh, now he's having to have Tommy John surgery. I read that's going to be James Andrews performing that surgery next Tuesday. But the issue with all that be- begins to become, okay, a lot of people have turned down MLB money to go to college to improve their draft stock. And you've had a couple of high-profile guys show up here and get injured. And I'm sure there are going to be a lot of MLB scouts that are telling people, hey, look at what happened to those guys. Now, JT again actually made more money by coming to Mississippi State. Didn't have the career we'd all hoped, or certainly he hoped, but he actually got more money. Spoke to his dad, Mike Ginn, shortly after he signed the contract. And they were actually pretty happy the way things uh, worked out. And JT had the, you know, the benefit and privilege of playing college baseball at Mississippi State. Had a chance to go to Omaha and pitch in the College World Series. That's something Major League Baseball cannot offer. But it is something that there are going to be a lot of guys out there that, that may consider coming to school to say, you know what, I just don't want to run the chance of that happening. That's why I think it's good for the game. We need Gunner, we need Gunner uh, to, to still be a first-rounder. And I don't just say that, you know, for Ole Miss to be able to kind of trumpet the fact that the guy was a first-rounder. I think it's just good for the college game. We don't need him to, to drop. I, I just think that's going to that's gonna hurt all of us. If you, When you have high-profile guys that get here, I mean, you saw it with Hill at LSU, and a lot of people expected him to be a top-ten pick. A lot of people thought Gunnar Hogan was going to be a top-ten pick. And, and so – we still want those guys to be able to cash in and make some big money because I think it's good for the game of college baseball. All right, so uh, Samford-Auburn also postponed. I'm not exactly sure of when that's going to be, possibly on Wednesday. But here are the games that did get played. LSU at home kind of routes Louisiana Tech, 14th-ranked Louisiana Tech. That LSU takes them 16-8. to I think they were talking about maybe some runs won't count or whatever, but the bottom line is LSU wins a big game, and it's an RPI boost for them. LSU is one of the more intriguing teams that's still remaining in the field. Now, 
they probably need to win five or six SEC games. So what's interesting about that is they have not swept an SEC opponent. Now, they should have swept Ole Miss, but they didn't. Ole Miss rallied in the eighth, won the ball game. You can say that uh, Maneri left Coleman in too long. I think we'd all agree with that. But we're going to ask LSU to do something they haven't done all year, and that's sweep an SEC opponent. And probably to ensure, kind of lock it up, they probably need to sweep them both. Currently, what, 9-15 and 15 in the league? I think 14 and 16 probably gets the Tigers in. I think anything less than that, 13 and 17 or worse, I think they're probably looking at stay at home. There is no NIT in college baseball. Now, if they go 13 and 17 and then get hot at Hoover, maybe that's a little different deal. RPI-wise, they're pretty much right where they need to be. But when you look at that league record, I mean, how do you look at them and say, okay, this is definitely a tournament team? Uh, LSU missed the field, I guess, uh, it's been, a, it's been several years since LSU's missed the field. They didn't host a regional in 18, but it's been forever and a day since they had been in an NCAA tournament. A lot of discussion out there that Paul Maneri may retire. Maybe may be good for, the, for LSU that he does. But, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting, to say the least, to see what happens at LSU. But LSU needs to help their own cause by winning the games they should expect to win. They have Alabama this weekend and then Texas A&M last weekend – and I, to be honest with you, I don't think four and two gets it done. I, I really don't. I think if they end up 13 and 17, they're going to really, really need to push hard in Hoover, maybe even make a championship game. And I just don't think they've got the ability to do that. So they need to take care of uh, what's happening and, and kind of make some hay while the sun is shining. Uh, our friends at South Carolina, they get beat seven to two by Clemson. What's interesting, too, and I don't say this to be hypercritical of people. But uh, hearing some of the South Carolina media people speak, they were talking about what a big game this Clemson game was, and the RPI was it, it's not a good it's not a good fit. I mean, it's just not one. It's not like they played a team that had a top twenty RPI that's going to give them a boost. And they were thinking, hey, well, maybe that that looks good before the committee, guys. Those decisions have already been made. The twenty regional possibilities that's already been determined. It's just got to be approved now by you know kind of a subcommittee, and then they'll announce it, I guess, on Thursday or Friday. So this ball game with Clemson, even if they had won it, would not have helped South Carolina. But they lose it anyway, 7-2. to two. And so even if it did factor into the decision, South Carolina comes up on the business end of a bad, a bad day. So South Carolina, if they do make the tournament, and it is no guarantee, they will be a road team somewhere, a two, possibly a three. Tennessee Tech gives Tennessee all they want. Tennessee holds on to win 10-8. to eight. Tennessee hadn't been great in the midweek, but Tony Vitello and his group did a great job on the weekends. They'll host Arkansas uh, this weekend, and that's a series that everybody's going to have their eyes on. We at Mississippi State need that to be a split. Really doesn't matter to me one way or another how it goes, but we need it to be a split. I guess if Tennessee would win the thing, then maybe we could go to number one. Then you could argue, too, well, maybe Tennessee would go to number one. But the bottom line is we need that to be a split. If we're still trying to win the SEC, we need to win all three of our games and then hope for a split in Knoxville. And that will allow us to pick up a game on one team and two on the other to give us a little separation. And our Tennessee's kind of hanging around there as a potential top eight national seed, and I think they will be, but behind Mississippi State. That'll give us a little breathing room. You know, theoretically, Mississippi State could be the number one team in the tournament. We just got to take care of business and get some help, right? We just don't need Arkansas to sweep anybody. 
uh, mentioned Little Rock and Ole Miss game. North Alabama gives Vanderbilt all they want and then some. And you recall, North Alabama got absolutely shelled by both Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Vandy wins the game 3-2. to two. Now, I hate to say I told you so, but at the same time, I love to be able to say I told you so. I have said all along this Vanderbilt team is pretty vulnerable. They're more vulnerable now than they have been. And, yes, we, we, we should have won that Sunday game. We let the thing get away from us. But the reality is, of all the years that, that we, we am going to Omaha, I'd love Vanderbilt to be in our bracket. Offensively, they are not at all what they should be. As a matter of fact, North Alabama – really made this a game in the fourth inning. It was uh, – UNA gets up one nothing in the second. Vandy ties it. Then Vandy puts up a couple runs in the third. And then that vaunted UNA bullpen held Vandy scoreless to last six innings of the ball game. They score a run in the fourth to make it 3-2 and had a chance to make some things happen. Managed just four hits. Vandy made a couple of errors. Again, this is not a great Vanderbilt team. I know they're ranked really, really high, but they're not a team you look at. They don't really scare anybody. We'll see what happens this weekend at Ole Miss. A lot of concern about Jack Leiter. He, he didn't start last weekend. I suspect he will this weekend. It's a huge series for Vanderbilt. And they probably feel like they could go to Kentucky and win that series without, uh, you know, Leiter having a pitch. I don't know that we see him in Hoover, to be honest with you. I think you've got to start managing that arm a little bit better. But, uh, you know, with, with what's happened with, with Gunnar Hoglund, I mean, you know, anything is possible at this point. It's one of those things, too, you go back to the month of March – and we were all talking about this, you know, how Jack Leiter, Kumar Rocker, uh, Hill to a lesser extent, and Gunnar Hogland, all those guys were throwing 100-plus pitches. I know there are varying opinions about this, and I, and I get it, but here's mine. You don't extend those guys in March. You just don't do it. You don't go out there and throw 115, 20 pitches against Central Florida or against North Alabama or against North Florida. You, just, you don't do it. Because guys that throw about 120 pitches in March throw about 75 in May. That's just how it works. There's only so many breaking balls you can throw. Now, there's always freak things that happen. I mean, goodness, you know, Riley Self had only thrown a handful of innings this year and we lose him. And, and, you know, it's nobody's fault. It's one of those things that happens. But you can lessen the possibility of having arm trouble by not stressing these guys early in the season. Not to mention it's colder weather back then. You know, it's just one of those things that happens. I mean, it – you know, and people say, well, you know, you never know. And you're right, you never know. But I think we all saw it. People were like kind of, you know, scratching their heads a little bit saying, they're letting Jack Leiter throw 100-plus pitches in March in these non-conference series? It didn't make a lot of sense. And now here he is, you know, has the bad outing against Tennessee, loses his next two starts, including the one to Mississippi State. He misses his next start. I mean, the guy hadn't been good in a month. And so now all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're kind of getting down to brass taxi whole deal. You know, Mississippi State, you know, we look pretty healthy on the mound. That's one of the things that Coach Lamonis and Scott Foxhall have both said is that, you know what, we probably overworked Ethan Small a little bit too much here a couple years ago. And so as a result, we're going to manage pitching a lot better. And, of course, we have the luxury of having a lights-out bullpen, which I think has enabled our starters to remain fresh longer into the year. And so I think as we get into postseason, you know, we're going to be able to pitch at a pretty high level, at least I hope so. And so we're not having to deal with some of the same problems other people around the league are. Let me see if I can't get back here on our SEC standings here. Okay, another big big result. 
Florida, another team that is kind of fighting to get into the hosting discussion, loses to Stetson 6-1. to one. I mean, it's like, that's the thing that's so frustrating, I guess, if you're a Florida fan. It's like, okay, we're picked number one, expected to win a national championship. We've got a couple of really good starters. We feel great about life. And then I hear you are basically running third place with two weekends to go. Now, you, in many ways, kind of control your own destiny, but you need some help along the way. You know, you, you, you're not going to play Mississippi State. You, you're behind state for a game. You've already played Tennessee. You got some things left you got to do. You know, of course, they, they got Arkansas in front of them, and that, that would be a big RPI boost as well. But it's one of those things you begin to look at. It's like, okay, we've got all this SEC stuff around us, and then you go out and drop a midweek game to Stetson. And I've seen all the, the, the comments to Kendall Rogers and that sort of stuff, and it's funny. You know, it's like Florida loses a midweek game. It's not a big deal. But LSU wins a midweek game, and it is a big deal. Listen, every midweek game is a big deal. I don't care what anybody tries to tell you. If midweek games aren't a big deal, just go out there and lose one. <laughs> People forget in 2016, back-to-back games, we lost to Eastern Kentucky and Oral Roberts and still went on to win the Southeastern Conference Championship. But don't tell me this, those, those non-conference things didn't matter because, I mean, those were basically an RPI anchor for us down the stretch. You know, both of those teams were not very good. You know, we ended up being a number six national seed. I don't know how much it would have mattered in the end, but – you know, perhaps our path to Omaha had been a little, you know, paved with a little better, uh, you know, pavement. Had our RPI been a little bit better. That's why I think you got to be conscious of this stuff, especially late in the year. When you've kind of settled into your position, you can't do anything to hurt yourself. And that's what Florida has done, losing this game to Stetson. I, I, again, I think Florida is in the discussion. I think they're one of the 20. I think you have to make them one of the 20 because there's still theoretically a chance that they can win the league. It's a little bit far-fetched at this point, but it still remains a possibility. Not very probable, but it's still possible. And how silly would that look if the NCAA selection committee doesn't allow the SEC champion to host a regional? Probably going to get a couple phone calls about that. So you've got to have a little bit of foresight here, especially with the way this thing is rolling out. In a normal year, it wouldn't be a big deal because it all kind of plays its way out. That's why I think allowing the, the committee a little latitude here to pick 20 rather than 16 is good because then you pick 16 of those 20 and one of the, that means you give a team like Florida an opportunity and probably you include Ole Miss in the 20 because Ole Miss is not done losing ball games. Let's say Ole Miss loses their last two series, then that means they would end the year having won three SEC weekends and lost seven. Well, there's no way that team can host. Then the flip side is, is Florida's gotten hot here and won their last four SEC series. Let's say they close the year out winning six in a row. So they would host and Ole Miss wouldn't. And so because of the fact that you're allowing them to, to pick 20, they can pick both Florida and Ole Miss. And then if Ole Miss continues to struggle, which we expect, especially with the, you know, with the news today of Gunnar Hogland being done for the year, well, now you have a way to kind of get it right without putting the team in there that's probably not going to be playing their best baseball. So I kind of like where that sits, but uh, it's going to be awfully interesting. So with no further ado, let's look at the D1 baseball projections here. Now, the, one of the reasons I use D1 baseball, listen, I like Teddy Cahill and uh, Joe Healy and those guys in Baseball America. I really do. I, I mean, I, I do. I think D1 baseball, though, has more people on the road regularly 
and I have met these guys and uh, spent some time with them, and I have a lot of respect for them. Mark Etheridge, you know, was doing SE baseball long before anybody else was kind of doing this sort of thing. Uh, Kendall Rogers, Aaron Fitt, I, I believe, are guys that really care about the game. I may not always agree with their opinions, but I have a lot of respect for those guys. I really, really do. And I'm actually a D1 baseball subscriber because I want to support college baseball, and I want to support the people that I think are advancing the game. And through their coverage, I believe that college baseball uh, gets, you know, a lot of positive publicity. And so I'm a D1 baseball guy. And, again, that's no shade at Baseball America. Gene Swindoll is a Baseball America guy. Gene's been subscribing to Baseball America's magazine for, for forever and a day. And so I think we've kind of got it all covered. But I, So I use D1 Baseball's projections, even though at times I don't agree with them. And I, don't, I haven't agreed – you know, with who they've had in our regional here the last couple of weeks, and I'm going to explain that as we get to it. But let's kind of look at what the projections say for the SEC and uh, kind of look how things go, and then I'll offer my thoughts about that. Okay, so I've called it up, and you can do this yourself. This is a free article over on D1Baseball.com. It is the projected field of 64 for May 11. The, there, there is something I disagree with right out of the gate. Okay, so the first five out. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tecovas dot com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to BadlandsFood.com 
forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. They have Alabama and LSU included in that. Alabama, of course, being the the first team out. The last five in, they have Georgia, Kentucky, Tulane, Oklahoma State, Maryland. I, if I had to call it today, based on the remaining schedule, I think Alabama's in, and I think Kentucky's out. You know, Kentucky's got to find a way to win a couple ball games. If they could win a series, it'd be tremendous. But they've got – it is a very difficult stretch for Kentucky down the stretch here. But if I had to call you – know, like if I'm picking the rest of the season – I think Georgia and Alabama are in. I think Kentucky and LSU are out. And, of course, LSU could play their way in. I'm just not completely sold that they will. I do think Alabama, the winner of that Alabama-LSU series this weekend, I think is is more than likely on the path to be, being selected. I think the team that loses that series is in a lot of trouble, an awful lot of trouble. Okay, so there's a disagreement right there. And, again, we all got our own opinions. And uh, I'm just a guy that covers the SEC. I mean, they, they cover everything nationally. So they still have Fayetteville and Arkansas as number one. I don't really have a quarrel with their, uh, with their, their regional, but I do think it's probably a very easy regional to win. They have them paired up with number 16 seed Florida State. I'm not exactly sure yet if I'm ready to put Florida State in there at number 16. I'll be honest with you, the team that I have at number 16 is Southern Miss. I think Southern Miss's resume is getting kind of um, overlooked a little bit. Southern Miss also a team that's probably going to win their last two weekends And I think based on that RPI, they're not going to be a two-seed somewhere. I think they have a realistic chance to host. Now, I told you guys last week, I don't think there's any chance that State, Ole Miss, and Southern Miss all get an opportunity to host. And to be fair, we shouldn't, okay? It shouldn't be that way. There shouldn't be three in one state our size. But I think with Ole Miss fading and Southern Miss kind of maintaining, that Southern Miss could be in that number 16 spot. The number two seed is Nashville and Vanderbilt, and uh, this is an absolute joke of a regional. I, I just don't think they're going to do this. I, I just, you know, Vanderbilt would get SEMO as a four, Old Dominion and Maryland. I just don't think it works that way. I mean, listen, yeah, you want the easier path, but when you look at what, you know, when you look at what's happening in the other, the other, the other regions, it doesn't make sense that Vanderbilt would get such a cushy bracket. I also don't think in the end that Vanderbilt's going to end up number two. I think that they, they probably will be maybe three. I could see them dropping a little bit. But I think of the top eight national seeds, based on what we know about that offense and what we know about Jack Leiter, I think they're a very vulnerable, vulnerable top eight national seed. I think there is a real chance that if they don't shore up his pitching – that they will not make it out of Super Regional round. And listen, you know, you go. there's going to be a day that Kumar Rocker's not on. You know, Alabama kind of got to him a little bit last Friday. And I think if Vanderbilt gets in a situation where Rocker can't get a win, and I know that's kind of, you know, you'd look at it and say, well, Steve, the guy's pitching really well, and, and he has. But you're not going to pitch it great every day, and everybody's got a good number one. And so if that Vanderbilt offense pairs up with the wrong guy, I could see them – 
struggling to get out of a regional. If they lose one or two games and go into the loser's bracket in a regional, I, I could see them losing. Let's move ahead here. Number three, Texas. They have Texas as a three seed. You know, Texas, of course, had the big TCU series over the weekend. Uh, I don't think Texas is great. I think they're a really good team. And I think it's one of those things, too, you look at the RPI, you look at the strength of schedule, you look at head-to-head. How do you have Texas projected ahead of Mississippi State? I know that I'm biased, but, I mean, when you've got objective measurables like that, there's nothing to really support Texas being ahead of Mississippi State. You know, sometimes I think we put these things together and say, well, you know, maybe we shouldn't have three SEC teams projected one, two, and three. Well, you know what? If that's how you feel, then, you know, why not come out and just say that? I just don't think Texas deserves to be number three, and uh, I don't think the Big 12 is very strong this year. Texas Tech has been really good. They haven't been great. I think TCU is, is a really good team. I don't think they're great either. I think they've all benefited on the fact that they've kind of beaten up on a bad conference this year. It's just not a great year in the Big 12. It is a great year in the SEC, and there's a lot of parity this year in the SEC. And I think Texas would really struggle. Texas uh, gets some named teams in this bracket, though. They get Michigan as a two, Miami as a three, and Bryant as a four. I could see Texas really being in trouble there. You know, you know what you got with Ty Madden, but, you know, what kind of happens after that? Interesting. In the Mississippi State Regional, we have as, uh, as a four. We're the number four national seed. They have Jackson State the SWAC champions, Southern Miss, and Clemson. Now, I've shared with you guys before, when at all possible, the NCAA selection committee tries to avoid putting previous opponents in your bracket. Now, sometimes that's impossible. But you're rarely going to get two. And last week, they had three previous opponents projected at Mississippi State Regional. I can tell you right now, that's never going to happen. That is absolutely not going to happen. They had two lanes, Southern Miss and Jackson State. So, Jackson State could be there, but I'll be honest with you, and I actually have a very strong opinion about the SWAC and their selection to the NCAA tournament. I really do. And one of the reasons why is because a friend of mine that I worked with for a while, a guy named Juan Guy, Juan played at the university, or excuse me, at Southern University in Baton Rouge, and he was on Roger Kador's team for the Jags that went out there and beat Cal State Fullerton. They were a four, and they beat Cal State Fullerton, the greatest win in Southern baseball history. But most years, what happens? They send Southern across town to play in the Baton Rouge Regional at LSU. That's wrong. And then Jackson State or Alcorn will win, and then they send them to either a State Ole Miss Regional. That's wrong. Why don't those kids get a trip? You mean to tell me we couldn't send them out and let them play, you know, at Houston or let them go play at Fayetteville or let them go play at Georgia? I mean, why is it? Why do those get? Why do those kids get denied a trip? Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and suggest that there's some alternative, uh, you know, agenda behind it. But you know, to hear Juan speak so glowingly about going out there and playing Cal State Fullerton and beating those guys, you don't think that was a bigger deal than going to play LSU? I mean, you play LSU in the non-conference. It's just not right. The kids in the SWAC, and I hate to even call them kids, but the players in the SWAC deserve an opportunity to travel and go have an experience they haven't had before. And I think that they, nobody expects them to win, and so they get kind of treated like second-class citizens. They really do. So my hope is 
is that the NCAA selection committee, and not that I'm scared of Jackson State. I think Jackson State has done a great job in the SWAC. I just don't think they're going to be able to hit our caliber of pitching on a regular basis, and I think they know it, and I don't think it's fair to them. You know, they win their conference, and they're forced to just drive up the road a couple of hours and go play uh, a team that beats them regularly. I mean, it's just, you know, we opened, we opened at home against them this year, and it, it wasn't a good experience for them. And so they deserve the ability to go take a trip. And you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that we put them on a plane and send them to Oregon. I'm not saying that. But those guys deserve an opportunity to go somewhere other than they've already played this year. It's just not right. And because if it would be one thing, you say, well, Steve, it's COVID. Yeah, but it's every year. It's every year those poor players from the SWAC just basically just say, okay, well, you won your conference. Okay, well, let me just send you guys across the street there. It's just wrong. I'm going to get off my soapbox now. That's my feeling about it. And, again, of course, they come to Mississippi State. You know, we're going to beat them. may not be the same outcome it was when we played them earlier in the year. I just don't think it's fair to them. And I also think Southern Miss is going to end up hosting. Now, of course, USM could, you know, blow it this weekend. But I think Southern Miss is going to end up hosting and somebody else will be in that spot. Clemson in is the number three. I'm okay with that. Of course, Clemson, um, you know, upset Louisville here recently, took that series, swept those guys, really hurt Louisville's postseason resume. They were in the hosting discussion too. Number five, you got TCU. I think that's probably right. And I think that, I think this is actually a very difficult regional. So you've got Stony Brook in there. And listen, those guys are pretty solid mid-major. You know, they're, they're probably a little difficult for. TCU will get them, though. Then you've got Oregon State and then Dallas Baptist. Dallas Baptist expected to win their league again. And what's interesting about Dallas Baptist is they're expected to win the league, but Indiana State's got the higher RPI. Last time I looked, Indiana State was 17. So that could be a two-bid league this year. And so Dallas Baptist has always been able to court pitchers, and so that could be interesting. I could see TCU having some trouble in that region, really could. Number six, national seed is Tennessee. That could change a little bit after this weekend. You know, they still got a couple of weekends to go, and Tennessee's got to play some good baseball. I think this is a really good regional for them, though. I think when you, if they look at this draw, they're going to feel really good about it. Uh, number two is the Georgia Tech team. Three is Liberty. Four is VCU. Georgia Tech is a team, too, that should they close out the last couple of weekends, they could kind of put themselves in the hosting discussion as well. And so they're one of the better two seeds, which is kind of interesting. You look at it and say, well, why are they going to Tennessee, a, you know, a, a top eight national seed? You know, and so I think there's still some ebb and flow with what we're going to see with Georgia Tech. Uh, Notre Dame, you know, I'll be honest with you, I would love to have Notre Dame paired up with us. I am not a believer in Notre Dame at all because I think the ACC is – is really not very good this year. And the people said, oh, Notre Dame's the only good team in the ACC. Well, it's, you know, what does that say? I mean, they're the kings of the crap. You know, Notre Dame is a number seven national seed. They just got lost a series of Florida State as well. And then automatically we put Florida State right back in the hosting discussion because they're Florida State. You know, I, I think the ACC gets too much benefit sometimes. But Notre Dame, not an easy regional, though. And I think, uh, to be honest with you, and I'm not going to be critical of our guys here at D1 Baseball, I think this is actually a little bit of a lazy projection here. Kind of like we saw with ours. Well, let's just go get all the teams from the state and put them in there. 
Notre Dame would have Central Michigan as a four. You know our friends from the Chippewas. Remember how much fun we had with them when they came here a couple years ago? They were great, man. They were so much fun to watch, and the kids played really hard. They won't be intimidated, but the two seed is Indiana. I think Indiana is another team that could potentially host. I think, you know, if you begin to kind of look at the the way this thing works, I mean, is the Big Ten not going to get a hosting site? Is that realistic? I don't know that it is. Indiana is going to win that league. I could see, you know, Bloomington hosting a regional if they close out strong. And then number three, we just talked about them, Indiana State. Indiana State is a three. And so, so here you are, you'd have Notre Dame – having a two-seat of Indiana, who is probably going to be the Big Ten champion. And then I guess, you know, Central Michigan will win the MAC. And then you've got Indiana State, a team that's uh, top 20 RPI, that uh, is going to finish second in their league. It's got a pretty good resume. That's a pretty salty regional for a top eight national seat. I mean, it really is. And to be honest with you, if this is the way it folds out, I would pick Notre Dame to lose this regional. How about that? Uh, Tucson Regional, number eight seed Arizona. And I guess you've got to have a Pac-12 team in there. A lot of discussion earlier was going to be Oregon, potentially Stanford. Arizona takes the series uh, from Stanford over the weekend. And so they're, they're now the eight. They have Grand Canyon, Baylor, and Vitek coming in there. I think Baylor is a team that's capable of going in there and making that thing interesting. But I would expect Arizona to advance. Now, they've paired them up with Stanford. Stanford, of course, would be the nine seed, would have UC Irvine, and I'm an Anteaters fan, and they're a team, too, that's probably not in the hosting discussion, but that doesn't mean they're not capable of winning a regional. I think that is a really difficult draw for Stanford to get them in there. Somebody has to have them, for sure. And then you got UConn and Nevada, and it's like we talk about all this geographic stuff, and then we're going to make UConn fly all the way across the country and play in California. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So either we're going to go by these geographical uh, you know, suggestions or we're not. The number 10 seed is Texas Tech, uh, Lubbock. They have them paired up with the Notre Dame Regional. I like this field, really. I really like the way this bracket sets up. Wright State, you know, we've played those guys here in recent years. They play a pretty good brand of baseball. They don't always have the talent, but they're a team that can get out there. Everybody's got a good number one. I could see them – you know, maybe scaring Tech a little bit. But, you know, Tech is – Tim Tadlock is one of my favorite coaches. I love his approach to offense. They'll find a way to win that. But you've got Arizona State and Iowa in there as well. Interesting. I don't think Iowa can make it interesting, but I think Arizona State certainly has the talent and the tradition to go in there and make that thing a little bit crazy. Okay, looking at Eugene here, that's the Oregon Regional. They're the 11 seed in the tournament. They have Oregon, and then Northeastern is the four. Gonzaga is a two, and then Kentucky is a three. I told you guys I don't know that I expect Kentucky to make it at, at this point. But Gonzaga is another one of those teams you look at. They're kind of a trendy number two. Now, I don't think they make the 20. But you know what? If, if, if this thing was allowed to play out a little bit, I, I could see them being a team that at least got some consideration as a host. Now, I don't know that they, they seed enough people there, but the, but the Zags are actually pretty good at baseball this year. But I do think Eugene would probably win that one, if Kentucky, I mean, Oregon. But if Kentucky makes it and they get shipped out there, I could see Nick Mangione and his group really making that thing interesting. But, again, if I had to make a call today, I've got Alabama in and Kentucky out. The number 12 seed is the University of Florida. They would have Florida A&M, Louisville, and then USC Upstate. USC Upstate's one of those teams that kind of is there every other year, it seems. 
Uh, Louisville going to Florida, that would be an awful lot of fun. You know, I think Louisville's one of those teams, too, of course, that uh, everybody was pretty high on them. You remember, I remember about, was it three weeks ago, I guess Eric Sorensen, and I'm a fan of Stitch Head, I really am. He had them number two in the country ahead of Mississippi State after they had had a two-and-two week. And I, I responded to his tweet, which is simply an LOL. You know, Louisville, really? And so now that has kind of come to fruition. You know, we see Louisville has kind of come back to reality. But Dan McDonald's a great postseason coach. I, I could see them going down there and really, really scaring Florida to death. Florida's really, really hot. But Dan McDonald's a guy that knows how to get to Omaha. I don't think they'd be doing Florida any favors. I also think Florida probably ends up being a little bit better than the 12 national sequence all said and done. But, again, they're so inconsistent. Who knows? That, that regional is paired up with TCU. The Mississippi State Regional would be paired up, according to this projection, with East Carolina. I know a lot of people look at that and say, oh, Steve, my goodness. Look, guys, I'm perfectly okay with this. Perfectly okay with this. Uh, East Carolina is a very good mid-major program. I think Cliff Godwin's probably a guy that will probably be moving on at the end of the year. His one college baseball insider told me this is his time. He's put his time in. He's built the program. It's time for him to get the big payday. There could be a lot of movement this year in the offseason. I think Cliff Godwin benefits from that. And I think there are a lot of people, too, that uh, think he turned the Mississippi State job down. He didn't. Wasn't offered a job. He was talked to, but he wasn't offered a job. I know everybody says, well, you know, nobody ever turns on a job until they get it. Nobody's ever offered a job until they accept it. This wasn't the case. Number two seed here, South Carolina. We've seen them up close. You know, I, I just don't know if they've got enough offense to win a regional. But, man, could you imagine NC State and South Carolina? Man, that'd be, that would be a great atmosphere. And then uh, Wofford and then ECU in the other side of that thing. That would be a fun regional. It really would be. I don't know if it stacks up that way, but uh, when you're one of the lower, excuse me, one of the higher one seeds, I guess that's a way to say it. When you're a number, when you're one of the more vulnerable one seeds, you're going to get strong twos and threes in your bracket, and that's exactly what would happen. Now, the Ruston Regional, according to this projection, would be an absolute circus, man. Oh my goodness. It is crazy to think about this. Now, first thing that I'll tell you, I don't think it works out just like this, but they have Louisiana Tech as the one, Ole Miss is the two, Tulane is the three, and New Orleans is the four. We all joked about sending Tulane to the Ole Miss Regional. How fun would it be to see Olthoff go out there and pitch against those free-swinging guys from Ole Miss? I would have Louisiana Tech winning this regional, and they're, they're paired up with Texas uh, it's a 3-14, and 14, but uh, that would be a lot of fun. The privateers at UNO playing pretty well, too. But that would be an absolutely insane regional. That's one of those ones I'd probably DVR so I could watch when I got home. Okay, Pittsburgh, they have Pitt as the 15, and I guess you probably need to have a regional somewhere up there in Big East country. You know, maybe so. And they, they have Northeastern traveling, but Northeastern maybe fits here a little bit better. And what's interesting, they have UCLA over here as a two. Fairfield is a three, and then Lehigh is a four. I don't know how good Pittsburgh is. I know people talk about them a lot, but it's one of those things, too, that, that you know, how good is their schedule? You don't really know. I, I don't think that they're a team that would, that would advance through the Supers. They're paired with Vanderbilt. But uh, it's interesting, to say the least. And, again, you've got UCLA traveling all the way across the country to go play in Pittsburgh. You know, 
Either, either again, either we're going to abide by geographical stuff or we're not. And then, of course, the number 16 seed, Florida State, in a tough regional tier, too. Uh, Georgia is in there, along with Charlotte and South Alabama. I don't count Charlotte out as a potential regional host either. I'm a big fan of Robert Woodard and, and this Charlotte 49ers team. And you go look at their numbers and you say, well, Steve, it's Charlotte. Yeah, yeah you're right. It's Charlotte. And I don't know that there's going to be three conference USC teams hosting. But let's say it's Louisiana Tech and one more. Is it going to be Southern Miss or is it going to be Charlotte? It's easy to look at those numbers and say, you know what, one of those two probably deserves to host. And I certainly don't think we should give Florida State a regional just because they're Florida State, not when Southern Miss and or Charlotte are more deserving. So I could see Charlotte hosting this regional. I could see Southern Miss hosting this regional. But they have Florida State, South Alabama, Charlotte, and Georgia. That is a stacked region, absolutely stacked. Listen, South Alabama, we know from experience, man, those guys play really well. Great recruiting base down there. We recruit some of the same players. You know, they don't beat us on the recruiting trail, but it's one of those things, too, that, you know, we share a recruiting footprint, so we know the quality of players they're going to attract. And we've played them regularly. And, you know, the Jags have been really good. You remember the camp here a couple of years ago? Man, they were outstanding. And so that's how that kind of sets up right now. And it's all going to be different next week, right? Now, I would say other than maybe the, you know, the top eight national seeds, I think we're probably pretty much locked in there. I just don't see a lot of movement with those eight, unless there's a major upset somewhere. I think Arizona's kind of settling in now. I think a lot of people considered him the best team in the Pac-12, especially after him taking down Stanford. But I don't think Mississippi State is going to have a bunch of in-state teams. I think I think that's easy to, to forecast. I think that is an easy thing to look at and say, you know what, they'll probably do this due to COVID. And you know what, they, they may do that. But I think there's going to be some situations where you get ready to sit down and say, okay, does, does it make sense? Is it fair to Southern Miss, a team that should probably host – to have to go to Mississippi State, the number four national seed? No, it's not. Is it fair to Jackson State? Goes 24-0 in conference play, and they just get to go up the road. They don't even earn a trip anywhere? No, it's not. Now, chances are we're going to get somebody that we're very familiar with, but, you know, we're not going to get two and three teams in the same bracket. It's just, you know, unless something crazy happens, that's just not going to be the case. So I think it's important to kind of understand that as we move forward. And listen, these projections are for entertainment purposes only. Kendall Rogers, Aaron Fitt, Mark Etheridge, they're not on a selection committee. Now, I'm sure they've got some friends they talk to that are, but they're not on the committee. And these are just their opinions. And so a lot of people get all upset and up in arms. You can go read the mentions. But that's one of the reasons you put this content out there is everybody is kind of thinking, okay, I wonder where we would be. And then somebody kind of gives you a model, an example. Okay, here's what we kind of think it look like. But it's just somebody's opinion. It's not official. But, man, people get downright indignant on Twitter and go at Kendall and Fitting, and you're like, hey, man, this is a joke. What are you guys doing? You know, these guys are just sharing what they know and what they believe. Doesn't mean they're going to be 100% correct. It's just something else to talk about. It's a content piece for all of us to kind of look at and say, okay, well, this is about where we, where we would be. You know, Georgia a couple weeks ago was projected as a two seed. Now they're a three seed. So we'll update this again next week, and we'll have a chance to talk about it again. But I like where we sit, and I think that's the most important part of that. I'm going to talk a little bit more about Mississippi State baseball a little bit later in the show, but let's get to the top ten list. 
Today's Top 10 list brought to you by the fine folks at johnnypacker.com. John C. Packer, longtime Bulldog fan. Him and Brandon do a great job. I believe in doing business with Bulldogs whenever I can. And this is a chance for you to do business with them to secure yourself some very fashionable and some high-quality eyeglass wear. If you're a person that wears sunglasses, and I do every single day, I got sensitive eyes, man. I spend a lot of time on the road, a lot of time in front of the computer. So anytime I can let my eyes rest a little bit, it's a big thing. don't need to be out there staring at the sun as much as I travel, and you shouldn't either. Visit them today. And many of you are coming up on, you know, you just had Mother's Day, and maybe you didn't get what you wanted. Father's Day is coming up. Maybe you get Dad what he wants. Because a lot of times, you know, we kind of don't think about ourselves. Like when these big holidays come up, we're, we're thinking about the kids or our significant others. We don't always think about ourselves. It's okay to be a little bit selfish every once in a while. These are very well-constructed glasses. I've shared with you guys before. I was sent a sample pair. They don't pinch your nose. They sit well on your face. They're very, they're very secure and very balanced. And that's one thing that happens. A lot of times you buy these sunglasses online, and after a week they don't hold their shape. That's not the case with these guys. JohnnyPacker.com is a Mississippi-based company. Gives you the opportunity to have some Hollywood style with some golden triangle flair. Visit them today, johnnypacker.com. By being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll even save you a little money. How about that? Promo code is Boneyard. Easy to remember. That'll get you 10% off a pair of Johnny Packer eyeglasses. 10% off your total purchase. And one of the cool things is that a portion of every purchase is donated directly to the Cystic Vibrosis Foundation. I'm a firm believer in this cause. I spend a lot of time when I work for Holly Myers Furniture raising money for CF research and for the cf foundation things have changed a lot in my lifetime when it comes to cf but we're not quite there yet and so not only are you doing something good for yourself or somebody you love and you're saving a little money doing it because you're a bone guard listener part of your money is going to go to help somebody live a much better life that is a really cool thing so and i commend uh johnny packer and those guys for doing it it's because and, and of course you know john sees a guy that's dealt with this his whole life he understands and rather than just say you know what I'm doing okay. He's trying to help everybody else be okay. Again, that's johnnypacker.com. Go check it out today. Promo code BONEYARD to save 10%. Okay, Rob Hathaway. I've met Rob a few times. Rob is a huge rock and roll guy. And I actually had some other names on the list. But I haven't been able to shake Rob's idea. Rob reached out and said, hey, Steve, how about a top 10 Guns N' Roses list only using Use Your Illusion 1 and 2? Now, I almost tweeted him back and said, can I use GNR Lies? But I didn't want to be an idiot because he said, use your illusion one or two. And, and GNR Lies is not part of that. I have all the Guns N' Roses albums. Appetite for Destruction, GNR Lies, use your illusion one and two. I have the Spaghetti Incident, which is great. That's an album of covers. And then I have Chinese Democracy. Looking forward to some new music from Guns in the years to come. Now that we've been reunited, right? We all want to see that. But Use Your Illusion 1 and 2, when they came out, it was, almost, it was ridiculous when it happened. It was two full albums. They were sold independently because they wanted to keep the price point down because a lot of us teenagers couldn't go out and afford to buy a double album. So they just put out two at the same time. Use Your Illusion 2 debuted at number one on the Billboard chart. Use Your Illusion 1 debuted at number two. And the reason why is because Use Your Illusion 2 had the first single. You Could Be Mine, which is on the Terminator 2 soundtrack. So everybody was familiar with that song, so that's the one they bought first. I was in line and bought them both the same night. So here we go. 
I did, and there's a couple covers on these albums too that are absolutely legit. There is uh, Live and Let Die, the old Wings cover that is absolutely incredible. That's not on the list. And then Guns' version of Knocking on Heaven's Door is phenomenal. But it's a cover of a Bob Dylan song, so it's not on the list. But I wanted to give those, those songs a mention because uh, they're so great. I mean, they, those renditions are incredible. Guns N' Roses was absolutely the best band to cover Live and Let Die. It's phenomenal. But here's my top ten. Your top ten may disagree. And this is what, if you ask me a month from now, my top ten list may disagree. I, I still listen to these albums somewhat regularly. But here are my top ten songs, Rob, from the Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 albums from Guns N' Roses. Number ten, one that most people would not pick, is Locomotive. I absolutely love this song. I think the guitar work on this is great. I love Slash. I'm a huge Slash fan. I love his work on that one. Number nine, the, the first single, we just talked about it, so You Could Be Mine. Had a great video. I love Matt Sorum's percussion on this. I, I, and listen, Steven Nadler was great, but Matt Sorum's a better drummer. And as much as I love the Appetite album, I think Matt Sorum kind of took guns to some areas maybe they couldn't have gone with Steven Adler. Number eight, a song that is really cool, had a pretty cool video too. It's Yesterday's. Yesterday's got nothing but me. Got nothing for me, excuse me. Uh, that was this big single for them, and uh, they kind of slow it down a little bit, but it, it's, uh, it's one I think you'll dig. Number seven, a song that wasn't a single. But they did some really cool stuff on this one. They even worked in a reference to Cool Ranch Dressing. And it's a song called Pretty Tied Up. And uh, it, it's, listen, it's not a love song. Let me just tell you that. But I, I think musically, it is one of the strongest things Guns has done that hasn't been played on the radio. Number six, and this is a song actually when uh, Guns N' Roses was playing a big festival and Jeff Beck was going to play a song with them and this is the song that Jeff Beck chose. He ultimately couldn't do it because he, you know, he has the hearing loss and just couldn't pull it off. But MTV showed some footage of them in rehearsal playing this. But it's uh, Double Talk and Jive. Absolutely love that track too, man. Absolutely love it. I love the lyrics to it. I love Axel's vocal on it. But I think the guitar on this song is just next level. I, I, I love the riff. It's just one of those songs I look back in hindsight and I say... You know, why wasn't this a single? Number five, and this is another song I don't think a lot of people, you know, if you're casual fans of Guns N' Roses, maybe you don't know this song. I think it's one of the best songs in the catalog. It's a song called Estranged. Absolutely phenomenal song. Number four, I used to have the uh, introduction to this as my answering machine message. You know, we used to have answering machines years ago. You young people don't appreciate that. We used to have these answer machines that had little cassettes on them, and you could record, and people say, hey, you've reached this number or whatever. I, I never did that. I took the opening of this song because it's from Cool Hand Luke, and it said, what we've got here is failure to communicate. Some men you just can't reach, which is the way he wants it. Well, he gets it. I don't like it any more than you men. That was exactly what my answer machine message was. I thought it was perfect because what we got here is failure to communicate. So leave a message. And it's a song, Civil War. And I think lyrically, this is some of the best writing Axl Rose has ever done. Now, there's some songs on GNR Lies and Appetite that I think are really, really strong too. But I think Civil War, one of the best songs he ever wrote. 
Number three, I know this is one of Rob Hathaway's favorites. It's one of my favorites too, but I don't have it number one. I know Rob does. But again, this is a song that wasn't a single. That's the beauty of these albums. You know, there's a lot of albums out there that you've got a couple of big singles and then it's just kind of filled the rest of the album. That's not really the case with either of these albums. I mean, these are legendary albums from start to finish. And that's the thing that I love about listening to albums is the journey they take you on. There are a lot of albums out there. You get a couple of hit songs, and then the rest of them are just, you know, just throwaways. You know, most of my favorite Guns N' Roses songs are stuff that never got played on the radio, and this is one of them. It's a song called Coma. It is an absolute masterpiece. It's not long enough. It's a long song, but it's not long enough. It's one of those songs I, I just I keep wanting more. And there are sometimes I'll play it back to back just because I just love the place this song takes me. Number two, the first song Guns N' Roses ever wrote together as a band. And I've heard some controversy about this, that they actually wrote this when Tracy Guns was in the band, because most people don't know this. But when I explain it, it'll make perfect sense to you. So Tracy Guns and Axl Rose at one point were in kind of in competing bands. So Axl Rose is in a band called Hollywood Rose. And then Tracy Guns was putting his little project together. And so it was Tracy Guns and Axl Rose, which became Guns and Roses. Make sense? It was a Guns and Roses project. Well, Tracy eventually left and uh, started a great band that I absolutely love. I listen to probably once a week. It's L.A. Guns. But this is a song supposedly that Tracy Guns helped write and didn't get writing credit for, and it's called Don't Cry. There are two versions of this, one on each of the Use Your Illusion albums. It kind of depends on where you are, I guess, in your life, which one you prefer. But I love the haunting opening bars to this, and uh, it just kind of builds and builds and builds, and it's an incredible song. And it's so crazy to think, too, this is one of the first things they ever worked on together and ended up being one of their biggest hits. But number one for me, and I know Rob will tell me that I'm a sellout and I'm okay with it. I know this song is so over the top and a bit pretentious, whatever, but it's November Rain. I love this song. I never get tired of it. You know, there's some songs, some great songs after a while you think, I kind of need a break from that. I just love November Rain because it is so deep and there is so much behind this song. I mean, it's like when you go... You begin to think there's an orchestra and there's this, this great guitar solo and there's the, the piano and it's just one of those songs that to me it's epic and I, I think when you look back in hindsight and at the time nobody was doing this kind of stuff and you see that video and I think of all the videos that Guns N' Roses did this is the one to me that, that makes them look most like rock stars because they were the real deal there were a lot of people in the late 80s rock scene that were just kind of posers. But Guns N' Roses brought some authenticity to the genre. And they were the biggest superstars in the world. Everybody knew Guns N' Roses. Axl Rose couldn't behave, and that ultimately led to the demise of the band. But November Rain, to me, is that one of those songs you look back and say, this is when Guns N' Roses really arrived. They hit the scene running with Appetite for Destruction, but I think they really matured as musicians. I think November Rain really brought out the best in all the members in the band. So that's the list. And Rob, thanks as always for being a friend of the show and uh, always supporting me. I've met Rob at some book signings, and uh, he's wonderful. And I uh, met his wife at uh, Mistletoe Marketplace here a couple of years ago. And and uh, Rob is a guy that uh, I really appreciate his opinion because Rob knows good music. And so when Rob came up with this idea, I thought, you know what, this is awfully interesting because everybody, when it comes to guns, kind of defaults to the same four or five songs they hear on the radio a lot. But I think the beauty of these albums 
is that there are so many of these deeper tracks that are just incredible songs. And so if you're one of these younger folks that maybe you only know the hits from Guns N' Roses, let me encourage you today, you know, when you're on your next road trip, put on these albums, Use Your Illusion 1 and 2, because you, you, you know the quality of the musicianship, right? I mean, you're already familiar with Welcome to the Jungle and Paradise City. You, you've sung those at frat parties forever. Let's dig a little deeper. And it's one thing that I love to do when I'm on a road trip at night and by myself. I'll pick a band that I'm very familiar with and maybe pick an album that I'm not, and I'll listen to it a couple times through, and, and inevitably I find some new favorites. And I think you will too. So go check it out today, Guns N' Roses, Use Your Illusion. And as always, again, thanks, Rob. If you have uh, ideas for the, for the top ten list, please reach out and let me know. I've got some other things that I've told you guys we would get to, and if I've already committed to that, we'll do it. Have another show coming up on Friday. I'll let you know what we do uh, then. You can find me on all forms of social media at Scout Steve. Are. All right, let's talk a little bit about Mississippi State baseball exclusively here. This segment of the show brought to you by your fine friends at campusbookmart.net. Stand man, Miss Kathy Brown, lovely, talented Susie, the whole crew there will treat you like family because you are family. Matter of fact, Stan boiled some peanuts and had some for me, and I forgot to go get them, and I'm sure that somebody else has already ate them. The last time that happened, Susie ate them, and I didn't get an apology for it. But I do apologize, Stan. I know you're listening. I haven't been by, and I do want those peanuts. I meant to take them with me to Nashville, and I forgot to go by and get them. But that's the kind of guy Stan Man is. It's like he's boiling some peanuts and say, hey, see what I thought about you. I got some peanuts for you, and I just forgot to go get them. And um, he may boil some peanuts for you too. Who knows? But I know this, they're going to deliver some quality merchandise to you. Go by there, check them out today. If you can't make it to town to go see them, maybe perhaps you live out of state or maybe game day is not a good shopping day for you, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmark.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Now, the next time that I go in there, there is a Mississippi State polo that I have seen them advertise I'm going to go get. You know, I, I do a lot of speaking engagements, and I, I don't wear a lot of collared shirts, to be honest with you. I've tried to commit to that this year, buying a few more, you know, so I can look a little bit. And I can't wear a rat shirt everywhere, right? Uh, so I try to keep some Mississippi State stuff fresh so when I go speak to a Mississippi State group, I'm wearing some fresh brown and white. So I got a couple of shirts I got my own over there. You should go check them out. Follow them on social media as well so you can kind of keep up with the latest arrivals. Again, that's Campus Bookmark. All right, so let's talk Mississippi State baseball. Now, we're all family here, so we can be honest with each other, right? And so I'm going to say some things, and I don't mean to be critical. I, I, I don't, but, it, but I may step on some toes, and it might hurt a little bit, and you know what? I'm okay with that. Guys, we are the number three team in college baseball in the country. Number three. Not 17, not 18, not fighting to get in, not hoping to make Hoover. Guys, we have been in the national seed discussion from the very first weekend until now. At no point in the season is there anybody really giving up on Mississippi State. Now, I know after the Arkansas sweep, a lot of us have been, this absolutely sucks. What's going to happen to us? Maybe we're not as good as we thought we were. Well, our team has responded since then. They haven't had a problem really since then. You know, we let a ball game get away on Sundays a couple times. We had a chance to take a road series from Vanderbilt. We didn't capitalize. And so then all of a sudden we think, okay, well, we're not quite as good as Arkansas, but we might be on the same level as Vanderbilt. 
maybe a little bit behind. And then all of a sudden you begin to realize, too, the, the problems Vanderbilt's having. And say, so, you know what? By the time we get to Omaha, maybe we've passed Vanderbilt. And there are some people out there to say, well, you know, Steve, if we end up tied, you know, with Arkansas for the SEC championship, I'm not going to claim it. And you know what? You don't have to. But you know what? Mississippi State's going to claim it. I'm going to claim it. Matter of fact, when Campus Bookmark gets some Mississippi State SEC championship shirts, I'm going to outfit the whole family in them because I understand how the process works. I, I don't feel the need to have to explain away Mississippi State successes because I remember many years, people forget this. We, went, we won the SEC championship in 1989. We didn't win it again until 2016. If we win it this year, then it's been, you know, a five-year hiatus, and we didn't even play SEC baseball last year. I think we had a real chance to win it last year. So, yeah, we're going to claim it because it is a legitimate claim to an SEC championship. Now, do we have some problems? Yeah, we do, because there are no perfect teams in college baseball. Everybody is trying to find production from the bottom third of their order. Everybody is trying to find a way to eliminate the one guy on the infield that is perhaps uh, you know making some errors every now and again, extending innings. Everybody's trying to find a third and fourth starter. Everybody's dealing with that. You're just more acutely aware of it because you're emotionally invested in Mississippi State. So let me, as your friend, let me encourage you, take a deep breath. Take it with me. Here we go. One, two, three. <sighs> Feel better? Good. Because Mississippi State is an elite baseball program. This is an elite baseball team. We perhaps have the SEC player of the year on our team at Tanner Allen. This guy's been absolutely outstanding down the stretch. He told me in an interview last week that he's playing with a chip on his shoulder. You know, he didn't get drafted high last year. Came back, not that he was opposed to coming back to Mississippi State, but you know, he's a guy that doesn't project exceptionally well, and he's trying to play his way into some MLB opportunities. That guy is carrying your baseball team right now. He's a leader in the clubhouse. He's a leader on the field. And he's not just a talker. He's a doer. He's an elite baseball player. And you know what? There are a lot of teams around the country that didn't recruit him. There are a lot of teams that wouldn't have recruited him because he didn't fit their recruiting profile. He's not tall enough. He's not big enough. He doesn't have a natural position. But you know what? He's a winner. That guy's a winning baseball player. He came in here and was our starting first baseman that went to Omaha at 5'9 and a quarter. Right? Because that's what he had to be done. It's what he did. Then all of a sudden we figure out, okay, what's probably best for you? It probably may even be better for our infield because people forget you know, a lot of you people say, hey, let's put Tanner back at first. A lot of people forget. You know, he doesn't have this enormous catch radius. And so there are a lot of times some balls would get in the dirt and they'd get by, and we kind of conveniently forget that. But he's not a natural first baseman. So we moved him to the outfield because that's, that's his projectable position. He's going to be a corner outfielder. And he kind of teaches himself to play an outfield, you know, because he's that athletic. He hadn't been a liability out there anyway whatsoever. This guy's a winner. This is his team. You know, we joke around about it. Put the C on his chest, man. This guy is the captain. In word, thought, and deed. We are the number two RPI team in the country. The only team ranked ahead of us in the RPI is the number one team in the country and the, team, the only team to swept us this year. And the fact that we're that close to them by some arbitrary algorithm, you know, let me just make sure you understand this, okay? This is one of those things, too, that we don't have a say in. There's not a vote. You know, so these people put together this formula, 
that what they believe gives them the best scientific ranking of a baseball team. I can't sit here and say it's 100% objective because I don't know what goes into it. But I know if the NCAA is using it, they must believe in it. And when they put all the data in, it spits out that Mississippi State's number two team in America. And so I, I just don't understand the need to pick it apart. And I, I made a post on Gene's page on Monday when I, when I finally got up from a nap. You know, some of you guys are missing a great season. I mean, you really, really are. These are the years that we hope for. These are the years that we dream of. So you know what? Hey, we want to make it to Omaha. Guys, we've been in Omaha discussion the whole year. At no point did anybody ever say, you know what, State's not expected to make it to Omaha. And you've heard me say it on this show before, we got as good a chance as anybody to win a national championship. But I'm not saying that in the Ole Miss way. You know what I'm talking about. You know, like the Ole Miss way is like in the beginning of the year. Oh, we're the greatest team that's ever been. If you don't believe, if you don't believe me, ask my brother, you know. It's not how it works. You got people that's, that go around the country to see college baseball teams year-round, not just in the season. They go in the fall. They go to Cape Cod in the summer. They go see these kids play. And the people that would know better than you and I said, you know what, Mississippi State's an Omaha team. And so how many years have we said, you know what, man, I just want to make a regional somewhere, and then we'll, just, we'll see what happens. Guys, we are expected to be in Omaha. And because of the fact that there is no dominant team in college baseball, if we get there, we can win the national championship. Now, we go back to the beginning of the year. We start first talking about baseball. We began to break down the schedule. One of the things that I told you guys then, I said, you know what, guys, we have a real chance to win the SEC this year. And here's why. Because we get the benefit of playing Kentucky and Missouri. Vanderbilt gets that benefit every single year. Now, Kentucky has actually been better than, than many people projected this year and good for Nick Mangione because I hope Nick gets to keep a job up there. We do. But Vanderbilt has, has kind of stacked some SEC championships up on us when we've had to play in the, the tougher division. And so this is a year where we get a chance to kind of do the Vanderbilt thing, you know, without scholarships, of course, and play the bottom half of the SEC East. And so now you look at this thing with two weeks left, and you're like, well, wait a minute, Steve, Steve was right. So we had the opportunity, but your team has made the most of it. And now this weekend, we better sweep. I mean, it's just as simple as that. It's, well, you know, Steve, win the series real quick. No, no, no. When you're this close to a championship, this close to having an opportunity to play, not only if you win – and here's the thing, too, that I think maybe people – aren't forecasting properly you know what if we win the sec that means that the one team ahead of us in the rpi means they're going to have to pick a couple losses and you know what that means we might catch them in the rpi we could be the sec champion the number one rpi and the number one seed in a national college baseball tournament that's how close it is but yet we got some people out there that you know i guess they i guess they expect us to go out there and, and you know and and beat people 10, 10, 20 to nothing. That's just not realistic in baseball. You know, guys, great teams do what we did early in the year. You know what? When, when Tulane should have beat us and we ended up walking them off a couple times because we were still trying to find our identity, you know, the leadership on our team, Luke Hancock, Tanner Allen, they go out there and walk those guys off. 
because that's what winning teams do. You find a way to win when you don't play well. Well, now all of a sudden, down the stretch, we're playing really well. You can say, yes, Steve, but we missed a chance to sweep on Sunday. You're absolutely correct. We absolutely did. But the fact that we were in that position, I think, speaks pretty well, too. It's hard to get a sweep anyway in the SEC. It's especially hard to get one on the road. It's even harder to get one to a team that's projected to be in an NCAA regional. Think about that for a second. South Carolina, I just read you the numbers. They're projected to be a number two seed in a regional. And we were one inning away from sweeping them in their own backyard. That's just further evidence, the fact that we're a great team. Now, I'm being your friend here. I'm not trying to be difficult, and I'm not trying to be all Pollyannish about this, but I think sometimes we've been so conditioned to expect negativity that we begin to project it ourselves. It's like, oh, they're going to find a way to mess it up. Why live that way? Why don't we just relax a little bit and say, you know what, we're playing a ball game on – we're not playing a game Wednesday, so today I can just kind of appreciate where we are. And my hope is that we can maintain it rather than sit around thinking, okay, the, the other shoe is going to drop. Something's going to happen. We're, we're going we're gonna to have some bad things happen to us. I just refuse to live life that way. Maybe I've been through some more difficult things. I don't know. But I know this. I spend my whole year getting ready to watch us play college baseball and hoping we can make it to Omaha. Everything is within our reach There is not a team out there you look at and say, you know what, we don't have a chance to beat them. Now, the first thing that some people would say is, well, you know what, Steve, Arkansas is just that much better than us. Let's go back and look at this. Let's don't have this revisionist history. Let's go back a little bit and let's look at this Arkansas series real briefly before we move on. Now, maybe you have your own opinions, but I've heard some things. You know, that Arkansas is pretty, pretty, pretty skilled, It's stealing signals. And you know what? I don't think that's cheating. I think that's part of baseball. I'm not one of those kind of people that say, hey, you shouldn't do this. But I think one of the things that we can do is when we play them again, if we play them again, we have Logan Tanner use the earpiece. That removes that possibility. Because I know this, they were on everything. Every changeup, every breaking ball, every slider, every location. They knew what we were going to do. And what do they do in the first inning against Christian McLeod? They hit three home runs, and we're shell-shocked the rest of the ball game. They came out and made an early statement. Then Christian bounces back. We kind of hold on there. But I think it, we, we were just so problematic offensively at that time. We just couldn't figure it out. And we're hitting the baseball a lot better now because some of our guys are beginning to mature a little bit. I mean, you know, we, we had not had a big weekend yet. But let's be honest, Arkansas beat us in that ball game. Now let's get to Saturday. The Saturday game is another one you look at and you say, okay, hmm. We should have found a way to make some things happen here. And this is the thing I think we forget, right? You remember all the problems we were having defensively earlier in the year? Well, we thought we'd found a solution, and we just needed some time for it to work for us. We jump out that first ball game. We come out there a little bit angry, right? You know, they're throwing their, uh, their best pitcher, right, at the time, right? That was their guy. Throwing Zebulon at us. He'd been lights out. We go out there and jump on him, put up three runs in the first. They score one in the third. We go right back and answer. Next thing you know, man, we're up 4-1. We're feeling great about life. I mean, just feeling great. Then we don't score in the fourth. 
we get in the fifth, and uh, let's go back and look at this fifth inning too, because I think sometimes we we look we, we we keep looking at box scores and we we forget about kind of what what builds them together here. So we get to the fifth. We get Bob Moore to strike out on three pitches. Then we give up a home run, and then we get an out. So it's two outs. We're a pitch away from getting out of the inning uh, with the lead here. You know, it's like, okay, great. They've scored a run here. But it is still a uh, four-to-two ball game, and we're in the fifth inning. And so with two outs, we give up a single, and then we have the uh, the pop-up that gets dropped behind short and third. Remember that? They call it a double, but it's a pop-up, and then the Christian Franklin hits a three-run bomb. That's the difference in the ball game, guys. You make a play right there, it's a different ball game. We didn't play it defensively, and we give up four runs in the frame. The game got away from us. And to be honest with you, I thought we quit a little bit. I think at that point, I think we were a little bit psyched out, thinking, you know what, we're just not good enough to compete with these guys. Well, let's go back and look at Sunday. So we get this is we we lose this ball game six to four and you, and you, again it's a nothing nothing ball game through three. We get to the fourth and again we start putting some things together here and uh, we don't finish the deal right. So Goodhart hits a home run gives them a one nothing lead. Then there's a single and a walk like so we're we're beginning to self inflict some things. Wild pitch, then we get a strikeout string, a strikeout swinging, a strikeout swinging. We're ready to get out of here. And then next thing you know, Fristo just loses it. And this is a young guy, too, that you're really pitching in front of a big crowd for the first time. Rather than quit, despite the fact we got down 5 nothing, we begin to battle back. We put up two runs in the fourth. They get one in the sixth. We put up two. We end up losing the ballgame 6-4. We didn't score in the last three innings. And so I say all that to say this is, you know, a lot of times it's like when somebody beats you up pretty good, you kind of misremember some things. But if we go out there and we don't boot the ball around and we don't issue a bunch of free passes, which we did the whole weekend, you got a chance to beat these guys. And listen, they're a home run hitting team. I know some people say, oh, they're a gap to gap team. No, they're not. Look at their doubles. They don't really hit a bunch of gaps. They hit a bunch of singles, a bunch of home runs. And so I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I don't think they're a better team than us. I think right now they are. But I know this, we're getting better. And by the time we meet them in the postseason, because there's not a ballpark in all of college baseball that plays bigger than TD Ameritrade. It just doesn't work that way. you got to go out there and hit the baseball, and you got to find a way to, to play baseball. You're not going to go out there and play home run derby at Omaha. Those days are over with. It doesn't happen anymore. But if we could play those guys in Arkansas, play them in, in TD Ameritrade, I like our chances. And I think another thing, too, I think being the team that's been beat up a little bit, not to go all Rocky Balboa on you a little bit, I think when you get beat and humbled a little bit, I think you come out there, I think you got a little more to prove. And I think the leadership on this team would be ready to go. Just my opinion. Let's do a little recruiting stuff before we get out the door here. Portico, speaking of uh, Bulldogs, got a message from Brooks Bryan today. Brooks wanted to let me know. Got another contract on one of the phase one houses, guys. You guys are listening. You're paying attention. But listen, if you're going to make a move, you need to do it here pretty quick. Got three left in phase one, just three. So you got three in move-in condition right now, just three. 
Now, phase two got pushed back a little bit because of the weather. Okay, you know, they were hoping to kind of get started late spring, early June. Probably going to be closer to July before phase two begins. And then we're going to get going. So listen, if you're thinking, man, they're going to sell out, we're not going to have a chance to get there, you're wrong about that. Now, also what they're learning is not a big need for that pavilion after all. So it's still going to have the walking trail, but what's happened is the residents out there just kind of said, hey, listen, we're just kind of content to hang out here on our back porch. So you're still going to have that great walking trail. So after you have your meal, you can get out there and walk around a little bit, kind of enjoy life. And you say, well, Steve, I've heard you talk about Portico, but I haven't really been looking for a house until now. Where is it? Easy to find, guys. When you turn off of 82 going towards campus on 12, it's the very first right. You cross Old West Point Road, the next thing you know, there's the new residential development portico. It's your new home. That's how close it is to campus. Those are the things I think people don't fully appreciate. You know, everything in this town is kind of centered around campus. So rather than you have to go live, like I live out in the sticks, so I kind of go out the back way. But if you're going to live in Starkville, sometimes you're going to have to fight that 12 traffic on game day. Why not get on the backside of that traffic and be like 1.1 miles from campus? You'll be going to baseball games all the time right all your friends are going to want to come stay with you hey can we park with you and ride with you or can we park and walk it's up to you that's how close it is it's wonderful you need more information about portico you do it doesn't matter if you need a two-bedroom house two baths four bedroom you know they got a property that'll fit you and your needs whether it's an investment property maybe it's a weekend getaway place maybe it's a maybe it's your, your single family residence maybe it's going to be your primary domain Listen, we need some new neighbors up here. We need you. We need good people. We need all the good people we can get here in Starkville, right? Let Brooks help you. Brooks believes in Starkville, Mississippi. Brooks is a Brooks is a bulldog to the core. You can see him routinely out there in left field lounge. You may recall that uh, he made a big catch, sent us to Omaha one time. And you know how I feel about doing business with bulldogs. Brooks is the way to go. 601-416-8075. 601-416-8075. And they get you paired up with whoever you need to make this thing be a reality. Because you guys know when you left Starville, you always plan to return someday or the longer you've thought about it. So you know what? Man, maybe it's just better for our family to be up in Starville. And it is. It absolutely is. Give Brooks a call today. Let's talk a little recruiting. You guys, we talked a little bit earlier in the week. Jameer Clayton announcer Mississippi State wrote a free article yesterday kind of what Mississippi State's getting in Jameer Clayton if you hadn't watched this video let me encourage you to do so and so that takes the 24th spot in the 2021 signing class you can say well Steve we've already moved on well we haven't you know we saved a couple of spots to kind of mine the transfer portal just to kind of see what would be available post spring well we've already picked up one We'll see what happens now with Knighton. Of course, that's a defensive back from uh, southeast Missouri. Recently picked up an offer from Purdue. Uh, a lot of people are on him, but this is a guy that's from Rosefort, Mississippi. Went to Rosefort High School at Tunica, excuse me. And so we expect that to happen probably in the next week to 10 days. Newcomers are going to report May 27th. And so he's got a little time to kind of figure this thing out. But uh, listen, there's some other options out there, so we're going to need to know sooner rather than later. I am told that his family is very hopeful that we'll go ahead and get this thing done. And that will close out the the 25 grants for the 2021 class. Now, of course, all these transfers don't count in the rankings. But you know what they do count? They count on the football field, right? And so when you begin to break this thing down, you look at all these guys that we've added. You know, you've got Makai Polk and Randy Charlton. 
Jalen Green. Now, all of a sudden, uh, you add Jameer Calvin, and then you could add, uh, you know, Knighton. You know, that's a handful of guys that don't factor into your rankings that are going to play next year. And, of course, the you know one-time transfer rule has been passed, and so there's no concern about those guys having to sit out. Uh, Calvin has two years to play. Uh, Knight just has the one. And he is a guy that has played both corner and safety, primarily a safety. But, you know, Mississippi State plays the best five defensive backs. And I think, listen, if you look at the job Tony Hughes and Jason Washington – and Darcel McBath did last year under some very difficult circumstances. I think you say, you know what, hey, guys, you just pick the guys you need and we'll trust you on this. You know, listen, we had some issues at safety last year because we were playing primarily special teams guys later in the year due to injury. But you go back and you look at our numbers and look at how well we played, especially down the stretch, with kind of a shoestring depth chart at safety – and, and not, it wasn't that much better at corner. We just played Martin Emerson and Emmanuel Forbes most of the snaps. We were outstanding. So now all of a sudden you bring in some new blood here and you've got some depth now. And so the quality of play should be even better. Now it needs to be at safety, and it will be because of the fact that you've, you've kind of thrown some scholarship numbers at the position. But you're also getting some guys back healthy. Dylan Lawrence had a really good spring. You know, C.J. Morgan you know, kind of rounding back into shape a little bit. I still don't think he'll be what he was, but I think that he is the guy that will be able to contribute. You got Janari Dean back, and there was discussion last year in fall camp that Janari Dean was going to play some as a freshman, then he has a torn meniscus, and he misses the year. You know, so now all of a sudden you're getting those guys back, and not only are you getting the recruits, but you're getting the guys that you were expected to play last year. So now all of a sudden you go from a position of strength at safety excuse me, a position of weakness and safety to potentially a position of strength. And then you begin to think about this whole thing with, uh, you know, now all of a sudden you've got Emerson and, and you've got Forbes, and then you've got DeCambrian and Richardson coming on. I think you can feel good about that. And then uh, Furge, of course, is probably good enough to get you 15, 20 snaps a game uh, as a reserve corner. And he was a starter last year early on until Forbes took the spot. One thing I'll say about Furge, too, you know, he could have taken that personally and said, you know what, I'm going to go get in the transfer portal, but he didn't. He didn't do that. He found a way to still contribute. You go back and look at the box scores. This is a guy that was still out there making plays. He had a big fumble recovery. And this is a guy that, you know, helps out on special teams. He's happy here. There are a lot of other players out there that won't feel that way. If they can't be coddled and promised a starting position, you know, then they want to leave. You know, much like, uh, you know, the kid Jadarius Perkins, you know, Decide he he wanted to come to Mississippi State, wanted us to guarantee him a starting position. We wouldn't do that. Cheese Harbison in Missouri does. He goes up there, doesn't earn a starting spot in the spring, and guess what? He's in the portal again. You know what? That's trouble for somebody else. It's not for us. That's not for us. We don't need guys like that. I'd rather find out now that I can't trust you than you know, it's fourth and goal on the one in Tuscaloosa. You know, I mean, I just I want to know now that I can't trust you. And so that's kind of where things stand. But I think when you begin to kind of break this thing down and you begin to look at the depth that we have and the fact that we're addressing some of these needs in the portal, I think we can kind of say, you know what, as good as we were defensively last year, we got a chance to be that much better. You know, we were worried about the pass rush a little bit, and that that hadn't been the case. They love Randy Charlton. They think that guy's going to be outstanding for us. You know, watching him in the couple scrimmages that I saw, I was very impressed with him as well. Cameron Young has made a jump. Talking to offensive line coach Mason Miller, he says there are some times when Cam Young makes up his mind that you're not going to block him, you're not going to block him. Doesn't matter who you put in front of him. He's made the jump. 
And that's what we needed to happen this year. Nathan Pickering's a guy now that I think Nathan benefits from this too because I think Cam Young is going to push him to be that much better. And you know what kind of see what Nathan Pickering has. And so when you begin to kind of piece this thing together and you say, oh, yeah, we lost Kobe Jones, we lost Marquis Spencer, which is true. But I think when you replace some guys out there, and I think you can feel a little bit better about our depth this year, and guys don't have to play quite as many snaps, I think this defense is going to be a lot better. That's scary to think about. Listen, you guys got an hour and 30-minute show out of me. Do not uh, expect that all the time. I've just been feeling a little bit better. I've gotten some sleep, of course, like I told you guys at the beginning of the show. So it's a little bit after 2 now, so I'm going to put this show together, and then I'm going to get some rest, and then we'll be back uh, on Gene's page a little bit later today. If you're not a Gene's page subscriber, I don't know what you're doing with your life. You absolutely should be. Come by and check us out today. If you're looking for Stark Villains gear, go to StarkVillains.com. And one last time, if you're looking for Blooms of Oleander, you can order it through your favorite bookstore or you can get it on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, booksandmillion.com. But if you want signed copies, call Carolyn or anybody at Book Martin Cafe in Starkville today. They'll take your order, give her your signing instructions, and then I'll sign them when the books come in. They'll ship them to you once the book is released there on June 7th. Until next time, let's all live our lives and a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.